TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Indeed, it is time for the Get Right here on 105.3 The Fan. My name is Alec Medford. His name is Reginald Atatula. And we are with you until 11 o'clock tonight. Final show of the week heading in. To Cowboys and Packers, you can hear the playoff action, wild card round action, right here on your home of the Cowboys, 105.3 The Fan. We're also live on Twitch and YouTube, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam, or just search 105.3 The Fan on YouTube, and you can catch us there and hang out with us. However you choose, we appreciate you nonetheless. The truckwreck.com text line is 877-881-1053, 881-1053 to get involved in any and all of our conversations here tonight, including our opening conversation. What are you expecting in the Dallas Cowboys matchup against the Green Bay Packers? 877-881-1053. You can let us know there on the truckwreck.com text line. And really, I, I think my expectations have been pretty stable throughout the week, Reg. Okay. Except for my final score prediction. I think it's starting to change a little bit. Wait, you have a final score prediction early on in the week? A little bit, just because I thought I knew what this Packers team was. Then I went and watched Jordan Love. and How much Jordan Love, I might ask? I think I watched probably five or six games. Oh, wow. And okay. I Full games? Condensed. Okay, you know, I was like, yeah. man, you... Woof, so, wow, man. so really, it was only, what, maybe like a half-hour commitment at a time, but... Uh, just because the numbers here recently had been so good, and then it seemed like at the beginning of the year there wasn't much to like, so I wanted to try to get a finger on who he really is. Sure. And then I saw the injury report come out today, and you have guys like A.J. Dillon, doubtful, and then Jair Alexander, questionable, because he rolled his ankle stepping on his teammate's foot at practice yesterday. Jog through, mind you. Yeah, it was just a jog through, and one of those freak injuries, and now their best defensive player is questionable and look even if he does play a sore ankle is a sore ankle and when you're going to be matched up in front of cd lamb uh, that's going to be a tough ask with a bum ankle and they'll get him some tour at all it'll be cool yeah so uh, <laughs> get, get some wd-40 you'll be all right but you know the expectations have changed honestly i felt like this whole week i was going to be like yeah they are who they are the green bay packers i think i know what we're going to see here i think we're going to see a two-score victory for the cowboys and now that i've watched the quarterback I think we're going to have a one-score game that's going to be a lot more uncomfortable than we imagine. And like you hinted at in crosstalk, these Green Bay Packers, what they like to do naturally on offense is kind of what the Cowboys defense naturally doesn't like. 
So I think it's actually a pretty good matchup, and I think it's going to make for a pretty decent football game. Yeah, and one thing, as you mentioned, Jordan Love, one of the things that Jordan Love has allowed, maybe not necessarily about him being him, per se, but simply not being Aaron Rodgers in a way, is you've allowed Matt LaFleur to implement his system in full, right? Aaron Rodgers, when he is with any any coach, he, because of how particular he can be and how, I mean, obviously how good he is as a quarterback, um, dictates the ways that he wants the offense to run. And so there's things in any given system that he might not like or things that he wants to see implemented in a system that's going to take away from what a coach wants to do inherently, but now you have Jordan Love as a relatively young quarterback, and then also a really young wide receiving core that is over the back half of the season has gotten to a place where now they are capable of running the system effectively. You're finding that hey, look, the system looks really good. Matt Lafleur was a one of the right choices when it comes to drawing up an offense. So this is a very interesting um, matchup, I believe, um, and. Matt LaFleur is good at attacking defenses, right? I think that that's, that's one of the things to take advantage or to pay attention to. The thing that I keep coming back to, though, is like the very baseline of talent that, is, that we're talking about in this game. The Cowboys are clearly a better team there, right? The, the, the Packers on their trajectory as an organization and a franchise are still in – rebuild is not the right word, but they're still in a place where they're not expected to compete at this time of year. But they have they have what it takes, I think, to make it interesting. And so I'm I'm with you in the regard of I don't know how how easy this will be. Now the thing that I I keep coming back to is turnovers, which this Dallas team has done a really good job with. And so when you look at that line and it's at like seven, when that first came out, I was like, ooh, I don't know, that feels feels a little large. But the thing that allowed me to you know come back to that a little bit is. Sure, if this thing plays out in just a simple offense-defense type way, maybe you end up in a place where this ends up being close. When you add the idea of the turnovers, and particularly if Josh, uh, not Josh, um, Jordan Love is under pressure in situations where now he has to throw the football and you've got the fastest pass rush on him, maybe you see those turnovers then make this be look a little bit different, and that could expand the game. And so for me, the way that the game flow works whether or not the Cowboys get out to an early start, mind you. But I know the early start obviously helps this. I think this could be a relatively close game, but I think it opens up in the second half, uh, possibly because of a turnover or something like that, where the Cowboys will then make the, put this out of hand and you move on to round two of the playoffs in 2024. I think that's a great point. That's exactly where my mind was going, is how do turnovers play in this game? Because... I'm looking back at the Packers' last handful of games, their last five games or so, and there was one, maybe two good pass rushing units out of that bunch that they played, and that might play into the part of the success I think they for Jordan hand- Love. I think they handled the Lions' pass rush very well, but you're really dealing with one guy in Aiden Hutchison. With this Cowboys team, you're dealing with more than one guy. I mean, Michael Parsons is a guy who you need to handle, right? Yeah. And I don't think that you can entirely stop him. But let's say that you managed to find, uh, by the grace of God, a way to deal with Michael Parsons. Well, here's Demarcus Lawrence, right? Yeah. Here's Osa Digizua. And when when you start cycling guys, here's Dante Fowler, who is giving you some flash plays recently. Hell, Sam Williams gets up the field pretty well when he's on, on, on playing defense. So I think that that'll be the interesting portion of this is what does that look like then um, in those circumstances? And I don't know that you have an answer for those things if you're the Green Bay Packers, even given 
that Jordan Love has been very good with making decisions in those circumstances. Yeah, just looking back at the schedule, I mean, the Bears, they handled pretty well. They have a couple of uh, rushers that can definitely get to the quarterback. Outside of that, they haven't really had to go against many premier pass rushes in the recent history. So uh, that might play a big part into why Jordan Love's numbers have looked so good. But one thing I have noticed is some of his better throws, and especially on his scoring plays as of late, some of those have been on broken plays and plays where he's having to evade the pocket. Uh, his off schedule and back foot throws have been really good. So if he's able to have even that little glimpse of life, he's probably going to get the ball off. But if you do have that, you know, combination of two different, three different defenders across the Cowboys uh, defensive line and pass rush getting to him at once, it's going to be a really long day for him because that offensive line for the Green Bay Packers hasn't exactly been terrible, but it's not what it used to be. It feels like when Aaron Rodgers was in town, that offensive line probably didn't get enough credit for the work that they did with guys like a healthy David Bakhtiari, so on and so forth. You don't really have that anymore, so they can be gotten in the in terms of the uh, pass protection. It's just you've got to do the job because Jordan Love won't quit on a play. Yeah, but what we're actually what we find in analyzing some of the metrics is that Jordan Love can make throws off, uh, you know, outside of the pocket, and he loves throwing off his back foot. It's one of the things you that jumps off the screen and it annoys the heck out of me. But he's relatively effective doing that. So it's one of those no, no, yes situations. You see that a lot in basketball, also. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's not as effective when you actually look at the numbers of this as when he's in the pocket. Um, and uh, that there's some of that goes to be, you know, is is to be said for for any quarterback. But the numbers really do dip severely when he's having to try and throw on the run, which you have to imagine there's going to be a little bit more of that in this game. And so, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not as worried about that aspect of it, but I'm really interested in seeing what happens on schedule if they can keep him on schedule in those circumstances. Um, and we're talking all about, again, this this Cowboys defense versus that Packers offense. The side of the matchups that I have been really intrigued with all week is actually this uh, Packers defense versus this Cowboys offense. And that sounds nonsensical because this Cowboys offense is incredible this year, right? Literally second in EPA, number one when we, start talk, when we talk about um, scoring D, uh, offense. And so with that being the case, like you go, why would you worry about that? Um, there is a dip in the way that um, in, in the numbers of Dak Prescott when defenses try and kind of play that shield over top and make him play underneath. I don't think that you're going to be able to stop him, but I am interested in seeing if you could slow him down. Also, this defense likes blitzing early on early downs where the Cowboys do pass the ball early downs, which is good. If you are, if they are able to make it difficult for Dak Prescott in this offense in early downs, put them in more third down situations. We've seen this Cowboys offense get off the field um, in certain circumstances, and I don't, I don't like the idea of them being in third and long consistently. Um, so you need to be effective early downs, like as you would always would. But that that pass rush isn't great for the Packers, but they have been relatively effective getting pressure in early downs. So I'm interested in seeing how the Cowboys manage that, especially with uh, the various 
Tyler Smith dealing with the plantar fascia tear. And then, you know, obviously uh, Tyron and Zach and all these other dudes that have been showing up on the injury report. Uh, I, I believe in them and their capabilities of handling the, their business. But I think that that's going to be something to watch. And I do think that is going to be a pivotal part is, you know, just staying out of long range, third down situations, mid range, because I feel like just watching these Cowboy games here recently, that's been the times that I've been most scared. And it sounds like textbook football, but it feels like outside of maybe this last Commanders game, the, you know, third down play calling, especially the third and mid range, third and long situations for Mike McCarthy, those play calls haven't exactly been great. And it doesn't feel like the ones that have been pretty good have been executed at the highest level. And I think another one that uh, another point that I'm interested to see how it plays out from the 940 on the truckwreck.com text line. They say it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to come down to whether the Cowboys kick field goals or get touchdowns when in the red zone. And it's interesting because the Green Bay Packers actually quietly have the ninth best red zone defense in the NFL as it stands right now. And you would never hear about it, but they're pretty good when that field gets condensed and they're real backed up against the wall and it's a shorter field to work with to try to find six points. They're forcing a lot of field goals whenever teams get close and when they get inside the red zone. And what was the story at the beginning of the year for the Cowboys for a good month and a half? When is this red zone offense going to fix itself? And for the most part, it does feel like it's gotten fixed, but... You know, old habits will always die hard. So, you know, that could be something that a team that is well-prepared in the red zone, especially against this Cowboys offense that, you know, even though it's worked recently, Mm -hmm. they've been kind of repetitive on offense when it comes to the red zone. I mean, Brandon Cook scored on the exact same play two weeks in a row where they just flipped it, mirrored it to the other side on that corner route that you saw in the last two games. Yeah, Um, but he's he's been effective and nonetheless, right? I think there's something to be said for – you want to have uh, imagination. You want to be innovative, but there's something to the idea of does it work, right? It and maybe this is the wrong um, anal- or analog to draw here, but tell me if you get what I mean. I wonder if this ends up simply being something like we saw this year with CD Lamb, where it's like, yeah, but that's too obvious, so we're going to go over here and we're going to throw the ball all in all these various places. And the answer might ultimately ended up being, actually, how about you get the ball to the dude who's really good? Yeah. Right? And so I do wonder if when they end the red zone, understanding that Brandon Cooks has a lot of speed, you know, regardless of what the Packers want to do, if you end up in, if you can situate them in man or what have you and run him across the field, not a lot of people are keeping up with him, right? Or even if you have him in one of these, you know, in and out break type routes, um, folks are going to have trouble keeping up with him, and ultimately that will help you out. Um, someone also mentioned on the truckwreck.com text line um, the idea that, hey, man, running the football will help you pass the pass the football. And in a way, yes. I, I, I wonder if you can if you can do better at dictating what the defense is going to do by being – successful when you do run the football not necessarily running the football a ton because I think that that plays into what the Packers will want but I think being able to be successful when you do hand that football to Tony Pollard and I imagine mostly Tony Pollard I don't know how much you end up with getting other running backs involved um but also I guess that takes me I've walked myself into this place are you comfortable giving the ball to Hunter Lipke in certain situations and like those big back situations after what happened last time, you put him in there on the goal line. And I know they've they've handed the ball to him from time to time. 
do you think that they'll be comfortable enough to give him the ball in big back situations? Yeah, I I absolutely do think that they have short memory when it comes to that thing, uh, that sort of thing. And for me personally, I do too as well because it, it was working so perfectly until it didn't with Hunter Lipke. It, it absolutely worked yeah. until it didn't. It, they did it like three or four times previously in that drive. It was just unfortunate that the one mistake happened at the goal line. And I guarantee you the ball security thing has been something that they've worked on with him a lot in practice since then. You know, I I bet they're mindful of it, but they're not going to kill him for it in practice and be like, look, man, you're just going to be an inline blocker from now on. Sorry, we can't try. No, they're going to do whatever gives them the best advantage. And if Mike McCarthy sees something on tape against that Packers defense that says, hey, in short yardage, they really can't stop anything up the A gap. Hunter Lipke is going to get the ball. I could absolutely see that, and I'm totally fine with that. I hope that they just play it smart in some of those situations and don't try to get too cute like they did in certain situations this year. I feel like Mike McCarthy has definitely tried to get a little too creative or try to outsmart the opponent to a higher degree than he needs to. You know, just just force the football past the goal line, and that's how you can score six. The job is going to be getting the job done here, right? Like, that's that's going to be the name of the game, ultimately. We both have an idea or a feeling that this is going to be a little closer than, you know, it might seem. But I think that somebody else on the text line, uh, let me see where it is from the, I don't lost it, but I, what they were getting at is it might, the score might look close, but it's going to feel a little bit wider open. And I, I think that might be how it goes. Ultimately it widens out. Now someone asked about Christian Watson, big time playmaker. He, I mean, the last time you saw him, he was, he was going off. Right. Like last year, he, you know, really was able to establish himself. It was probably his first really good outing as an NFL football player. He's questionable and he did not play last week. And I don't know if last week he did not play because they were trying to save him, although they needed that game. We talked about that with Carmen Vitale yesterday. Um, I imagine with being questionable in the playoffs is a whole different thing. Right. In the playoffs. We'll shoot you up, we'll get you on the field, and we'll we'll figure out what's happening after then. So I imagine Christian Watson probably plays. That's that's my best guess. Yeah, he probably does, and they need him. You know, even if he's not 100% against this secondary that has been pretty good as of late, they're going to need a big play threat. And uh, hopefully for the Cowboys, they find a way to neutralize him because he has found his stride against the Cowboys before. So that's what we're expecting In this matchup between the Cowboys and the Packers, you can hear it right here on your home of the Cowboys, 105.3 The Fan. This Sunday, 3.30 kick pregame starts at 12.30 with Zach Wolchuk. I lied. Eric Chiafalo and Brian Broaddus. (laughs) See, I I quickly reverse course. Quickly and swiftly. No DeAndre Swift. He sucks this year. But coming up next on the Get Right. What? Where did that? come from i'm sorry i i just love taking shots at the philadelphia eagles oh you're 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 getting ready for for whenever you cut a promo on peyton that's all that is i I'm know just the animosity up. is up i I'm can just t- warming up man i hey. can sense it the animosity has has been raised for you today i mean he even won g-bag of the day today like i come on man i i, I gotta be amped up I, I gotta have some energy for this show and for tomorrow when i officially respond coming up next on the get right we've got Key matchups for each playoff game this weekend in the NFL. We'll do that next on the Get Right. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan, we will get into the biggest playoff matchups for each game here in just a second as we are getting into Wild Card Weekend. Alec Medford and Reginald Atatua with you until 11 o'clock tonight. We do have live hockey going on at the American Airlines Center. It is the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators going at it early on in the first period. Still scoreless in this match uh, matchup. We will keep you up to date. Jake Ottinger back between the pipes. After ah, we have an Otter sighting. So, yeah, it's fun. Uh, the Apparently, the lower body is uh, doing well enough at yeah. this point. Yeah, the lower body That's is right. good to go. Yeah, the lower body is better. I'm, I'm, yeah, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I'm very intrigued by the whole hockey like injury identification system, if you will, because you had a great point when we were talking about it with boss man Gavin Spittle that, hey, there's probably just not enough money that goes into the betting where people need to know that. So they're like, you know what? We're not going to tell anyone anything. You just have to hope that you caught it on video and you can pinpoint what exactly it is. Sometimes you can. You know, like, uh, who was it? Connor Bedard, didn't he just break his jaw a couple days ago, I believe? And you could see he took a stick right to the jaw and is like, yeah, uh, that's one of those things that you can say upper body injury all you want. I saw that snap his jaw. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into this uh, conversation here about the playoff matchups for Wild Card Weekend. And we will start with, of course, the Green Bay Packers and your Dallas Cowboys going at it at AT&T Stadium 330 kick this Sunday. I was I, I was about to say, did I have my microphone on? Because sometimes I forget to do that. Uh, I, I did find it interesting because we are working off of uh, the athletic here. Just, yes. And with all the conversations that we've had, a lot of the things that you would think end up being the matchup to watch. I wonder how they how they came to this one in particular. Um, but it's kind of interesting, I guess. As they mentioned, Jonathan Hankins, Osa Digzua, Chauncey Golston, like your defensive tackles in a way versus the Packers interior. And what they're basically pointing to is the ways in which uh, this Cowboys defense can, you know, can get got up the middle when it comes to running the football. 
But I, I found that interesting that they bring that up with the Packers, who seem to mostly want to get to the edge with Aaron Jones, have him turn a corner and you know work on the outside. So that that is interesting that they pointed to the idea of Packers trying to rush up the middle as the matchup to watch. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there that this might not necessarily be the thing that's going to sink the ship for them because it's not really something they like to do. And they like to play against what the Cowboys don't like to do defensively, which is set the edge. You know, they run a lot of uh, 12 and 13 personnel on their rushing concepts. And they're a very big outside zone team. I don't I don't know how big the defensive tackles are going to play into this. Maybe it is those short yardage situations that they kind of overcommit to the bully ball and go up the middle and then you can get a stop on third down or maybe a goal line stand on an Aaron Jones so on and so forth. A.J. Dillon, doubtful for this game, so those situations might have just gotten a little bit harder in terms of goal line situations for the Packers. So maybe that's where they're thinking in those pivotal third downs is, you know, they can be gotten there, but I just don't see that being necessarily the matchup. If you're going to say it's Aaron Jones and the Packers rushing offense against this front, I don't see it being up the middle. And maybe maybe it's just like that is a weakness that the Packers have run the football well, and so maybe that's the way that they match up, not necessarily the way that they typically try and attack it. You know, maybe that yeah. was the thought process by Ted Wynn. Good football guy, mind you, at yeah. The Athletic. But enough, enough of this game. We talked a lot about this game. We'll circle back as my voice decided to do all sorts of crazy things there. We got it. We're we handling it. We, we're good. There we go. Thankfully, we're only 30 minutes into the show. It's not like we're doing this all night. Uh, yeah, you know, only just a few hours okay. uh, to go. Mm-hmm. You know, 11 o'clock gets you Yes, fast. Bobby, I talk frequently. <laughs> Bobby is being horrendous in the Twitch chat. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam if you want to read everything because I can't read half of what he's saying. Uh, the next matchup we will go to is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is so insane that the Eagles went from, you know, potential one seed conversation to now having to visit <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> you have to go to Raymond James Stadium and play on Monday Night Football. That's a gross matchup for Monday Night Football. It has been all year. But the key matchup from Ted Wynn of the Athletic is Jalen Hurts versus the Blitz. He struggles against the Blitz, uh, and he has done that uh, really throughout the season, but it really started to show when you go against a Wink Martindale defense. Of course, because that's what Wink Martindale does. Exactly. He's like, send the house. He's it's just, like, hey, man, they're, 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 they're kneeling. They're kneeling. It's victory <laughs> format. Send the house. And Blitz. he's still going to send a zero. He does not, he does not care. Uh, but um, he, you know, he loves to do that the most. Blitzing a quarterback into oblivion is his thing, and he completed five of 12 passes for 41 yards against the Blitz in Week 18 where the Giants embarrassed the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he was also sacked and intercepted once against the Blitz. So he is key and prone to uh, making bad decisions against the Blitz. And on the season, Hurts ranked 21st in EPA per drop back against the Blitz amongst quarterbacks with at least 200 pass attempts. And he's playing behind arguably the best offensive line in football. So not exactly a great matchup there for Jalen Hurts as when the pressure gets to him. That felt like something I thought he was going to be really good at, too. This has been a very odd season for the Eagles all the way around, and I know Bobby's excited because this is a place where he can feel vindicated as I'm basically doing a show directly to Bobby at this point. Apologies to everybody else listening in the various mediums that you are. But um, the Eagles 
very much have had the the team and the structure to look like a significantly better team all the way around, and just it has not looked like that. The only place where you knew it was not going to be what it was was that spine of that defense, particularly that linebacker spot. You could see that just on the roster, but things have not lived up the way that you needed to, both personnel wise and very particularly when it came when it comes to scheme and play calling. And so, yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts hasn't been good against the Blitz and not in the way that every quarterback is less good against the Blitz, but just patently not good. And what stinks for him is Todd Bowles likes drawing him up, right? Like Todd Bowles likes blitzing uh, against the quarterback. And so away from home without the, you know, without the comfort of being able to call your plays and having that level of tranquility um, is going to be a test on if Jalen Hurts can rise to the occasion and handle that and deal with that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch that game all the way around. I imagine there's a lot of people in this Metroplex, particularly when you have that that leaning towards mm-hmm. feeling like the Eels are going to embarrass themselves in front of a in front of company, right, in front of the national television audience. But this is going to be a very particular aspect of it that's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait for that game, and I hope that the free fall continues for the Philadelphia Eagles because I just want to see what happens to the head coach after. I don't know if he survives, which is a wild thing to say after going to the Super Bowl the year before. Uh, Pretty incredible how things work out there. The next matchup we will go to is the L.A. Rams at the Detroit Lions goes down on Sunday night football, 7 o'clock here in the Metroplex on Sunday. The key matchup is Cooper Cup versus the Lions zone defense. The Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn tends to play a lot of zone against teams with multiple receiving threats in two games against the Vikings, who run a similar scheme to the Rams. The Lions played zone on 76.9% of dropbacks, and Glenn traditionally plays a lot of man coverage, but he realizes that he doesn't have the personnel to do that against teams like the Rams. Cooper Cup is as good as any receiver at finding holes to exploit in zone coverage. So, really, it's going to be trying to limit the dual threat of that Rams offense for Aaron Glenn and the Detroit Lions as you know Puka Nakua has been fantastic in his uh, rookie season but Cooper Cup is still Cooper Cup you know even coming off the injury earlier in the season he's still a great route runner that knows how to find separation in man but specifically in this case against the zone he really knows how to find the pockets and exploit the coverages to try to get some catch and run against teams like this and Aaron Glenn He's a smart dude. It's just like Ted Wynn noted here in the athletics piece. He doesn't have all the guys he needs to be able to do what he wants to do against a team like that. Yeah, the Lions have played better defensively this year, but you've definitely seen that um, that defense not not be nearly as good as you want it to be. And so, yeah, no, you you talk about Cooper Cup, you talk about Puka Nakua, like anything offensively is going to be um, interesting to look at. I know. When it comes to their efficiency, they've been actually pretty good in run defense um, when it comes to the efficiency of this all. Um, so I'll be interested to see how Kyron Williams handles this. But no, I, I anticipate Matt Stafford being able to carve this thing up, particularly in, if they end up in zone. Like uh, The thing that I always think about when you see a zone defense is, do you have a player that has good spatial awareness to know when to sit into a zone and really attack the soft spots? And one of those guys that comes up when you start talking about those types of players is Cooper Cup. And so, yeah, no, I, I completely anticipate that being being eaten up by this Rams offense. The chemistry between Cup and Stafford should be a huge factor in this game. You talk about 
the sustained success that they've already had together. Uh, but the Vikings quarterback, Nick Mullins, averaged over 400 yards in two games against the Lions secondary this year. So I think you can expect Stafford and the Rams to put up similar numbers in a pretty good, fun, old-fashioned shootout, if you will. I'm look. I imagine that's what everybody who's tuning in wants to see, unless you're unless you have like a very particular involvement on one of the sides. Um, the narrative of Matt Stafford versus Jared Goff, the dudes who were traded for each other from these two teams, that's what <laughs> folks want to see. This is really an off or I should say, a postseason of storylines. There, there's a lot of good storylines in this postseason setup in the NFL, and it gives us plenty to talk about. So we will continue to talk about it here tonight and this weekend as well. We got a special six-hour edition of the Fan Jam tomorrow starting at 10 o'clock with myself, Chris Arnold, and Blake Elliott. So you won't want to miss that. And then, of course, live and local all day on Sunday for Cowboys and Packers. Coming up next here on the Get Right, we will take a trip around the NFL. We will get you all the latest updates in terms of injuries and the Washington Commanders are moving rapidly. We will tell you how next on the Get Right. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan, about to take a trip around the NFL here in just a second. My name is Alec Medford. His name is Reginald Adetula. We've got the tandem of David Shrupp and Larry Flores holding things down for you tonight. Coming up on the other side to kick off the second hour Here tonight, we have some wildcard weekend bold predictions that we will get into here in about 17 minutes or so as we are still scoreless at the AAC between the Stars and the Preds. Here with eight seconds remaining in the first period, we will keep you up to date on this matchup as the action unfolds. So let's go ahead and take our trip around the NFL and we start by updating you with some of the coaching and front office carousel that has continued to spin and spin and spin. And today the big one so far has been in New England. The Patriots have hired Gerard Mayo as their head coach to replace Bill Belichick. And this one was an interesting one, and it's going to spark a conversation later in the show. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, there was actually language in the defensive coordinator's contract that said he would be the successor to Bill Belichick whenever whenever he left the organization. So this was something that was quietly always going to happen, and it made sense because past two, maybe even three years, he had received interest in other head coaching gigs, and he had interviewed for a couple. He might have turned down a couple, but he always opted to remain in New England And it makes sense because there's a storied history behind that franchise. And is there? Yeah. Uh, There's a storied history behind Bill Belichick's tenure at that franchise. I don't know that you can necessarily say the Patriots have just been like this historically notable franchise. Well, as of a couple of the past couple of decades. And that that tracks with a single human being, right? Like, I don't know that necessarily. And I guess I will also then leave room for, you know, Tom Brady clearly also matters in that and then you know you talk about the entirety of the team but like that is under the tenure of Bill Belichick and so it was a long period of time but I don't think that that inherently makes the entire organization um into some level of historic franchise I think that that's that might be the place where if you lean too heavy into that you might find yourself in a bad place and I wonder if that's why the Patriots 
um, had such a, I don't know, such a willingness to try and make sure that they get this thing right and move quickly because I think there's an understanding that Bill Belichick mattered a good amount in making this good and you need to continue um, that level of good lest you fall back into the Patriots of old where there, you weren't something that mattered in a large way. I mean, I would disagree about that narrative just because I think when you win that many Super Bowls and when under Bill Belichick, right? When, under a single. I mean, when the valuation coach. of the team climbs as high as it has and Robert Kraft for all of his faults has been respected as one of, you know, the more influential owners in all of the NFL. I think there's enough history there, but it's, it's interesting. It's the former player route. And it's, you know, hiring from within. But this is a weird situation where they didn't have to go interview anyone else. In fact, they didn't. They did not speak to any of the hot names like Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, or Ben Johnson even, one of the younger offensive coordinators out there that people have been keeping an eye on. Patriots wrote into his contract last January that Mayo would succeed Belichick as the next head coach. And because they communicated with the league, that this clause existed, they were not required to conduct a full coaching search following the Rooney rule, uh, which requires teams to conduct in-person interviews with at least two external minority candidates. So they they were able to pass all of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. I'm really intrigued as to what goes into the decision-making process on allowing that to go through, right? Like, at that point, what then is the framework there? Because if you have, I understand that in the sense that Gerard Mayo is an African-American man, right? Like, so there is a, a measure of diversity being, um, you know, sought to there. But what changes should that be a white candidate that you're ultimately trying to have some continuity with, right? I think that you open up the door for some really interesting things um, and interesting bypasses to what you have tried to accomplish with the Rooney Rule and the various other things that you've added in with the incentives uh, that, you know, for having multiple and more diverse coaches in your um, coaching staff that if they progress, then give you, you know, draft picks and draft compensation, those types of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear, and hopefully someone has an opportunity to ask questions, maybe during Super Bowl uh, week when you actually get a chance to really st- sit in front of um, Roger Goodell and ask him questions directly. I'd like to know what the thought process is there um, in being able to say that, yeah, we're not going to um, go through the full, fullness of that process. I guess this was somewhat expected because apparently a condition in the Rooney Rule and anti-tampering policy allows teams to bypass the typical interview process if they establish in writing a succession plan and communicate with the league before the start of the season. So Interesting. This, this wasn't something that it was like, hey, we have this idea, NFL, can we do this? They actually expected this at some point. So still, I, I feel like your question is valid and I would like to know the answer as well. Well, I didn't as, realize it was written in, yeah. Yeah, like even the, even the fact that it is written in, I still would like to know the thought process behind that of, you know, like was this floated by another owner, by another team perhaps? Like, hey, if we were to promote this guy just off the cuff and have it in writing in his contract, could this be a thing? Uh, it, it's just really interesting that this is the first time we've seen this happen and it is for a candidate that has gotten a lot of love in the past. So it wasn't like a, you know, hey, we're totally screwed kind of thing. Nobody wants to come coach for us. Why not just give it to the defensive coordinator? It's a former player that the players on the team right now love. 
They would run through a brick wall for him. He's very highly respected, and he's not a bad play caller on defense either. It's not a guy that's just getting the nod to get the nod. He has actually shown some sustained success in his defensive play calling abilities. So uh, Gerard Mayo taking over the helm of the New England Patriots now. The question is for them, what do they do in terms of player personnel management? I'm interested to see what direction they look because they kind of waited a few years too long and they let their guy Nick Casario walk away, who I thought he was going to be another, you know, Patriots product where he goes out into the real world and doesn't succeed. But he has been drafting his behind off out there in Houston and getting the right veteran pieces. They had the guy in waiting and they waited too long. So I'm I'm excited to see where they go in terms of a potential general manager and if they're going to fully commit to bringing in some sort of staff there. Uh, elsewhere around the NFL, we are talking about some of the carousel spinning in terms of personnel in the front office and the important people. Well, the Washington Commanders are moving at a rapid pace. Under Josh Harris, the new owner and his group, they wasted no time finding their Next general manager, Adam Peters. He is an assistant from the San Francisco 49ers, a former executive of the team. He has won a Super Bowl in his past, uh, and he entered this hiring cycle widely viewed as the top general manager target across the league, and clearly that made him a priority for the Washington Commanders managing partner, Josh Harrison. Uh, He is considered a very strong personnel evaluator, and it is the latest example of changing perception of an organization following this summer sale uh, from Dan Snyder to the Harris Group. What does he do? He instantly wastes no time to say, let's go get the most respected guy on the market to come make personnel uh, decisions. And Peters was the lead talent evaluator in the 49er, 49ers hierarchy. So he was essentially the 1B to John Lynch out there when it comes to making decisions about players. I mean, you could kind of say he was a 1C to uh, to your head coach, Kyle Shanahan, because I think we yeah. all understand that the, the man at the top is actually the head coach there. But it makes sense, right? If you are going to hire, um, why not go a place with some level of success and somebody that can you can maybe graft some of that success onto your organization just from the idea of that, that culture, right? Like, this is a place in the Washington Commanders that absolutely needs to build a culture and um, understanding of how to do things in a way that is successful in the NFL. So why not look at the Niners who have been successful at getting talent and utilize that, try and grab somebody from there, and maybe see if you can get a level of building out of what they have there where you are. So, I mean, it makes sense, and it does make me wonder as now, I mean, now his job is going to very very quickly become finding the right head coach for that job. I wonder how much uh, we have to look at it, the various coaches that have that uh, association with the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. As If you look around, the play callers in particular that um, are associated with that tree have all been very successful um, in the NFL thus far and of late in particular. So you got to imagine that that will factor into the decision-making process. Talking about that coaching search, Washington has requested interviews with seven coaching candidates so far, including Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Uh, among others, Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who might be my favorite sleeper pick of this cycle alongside Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris as well, among others. And uh, another name that hasn't exactly been talked about a lot, 
but the athletic has written down that you should keep an eye on is Baltimore defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Yeah. Uh, so there's some really good candidates this this cycle, and it pains me to have this belief that Washington is probably going to land one of the top three guys in this cycle, but good for them. You know, post-Dan Snyder life is good life, if you ask me. Uh, elsewhere around the NFL, I've been keeping an eye on this whole Bills-Steelers Wild card matchup sure. uh, as Buffalo is bracing for a massive winter storm. The NFL is still monitoring the status of Sunday's Bills and Steelers wild card game as Western New York is bracing for an incoming winter storm that is going to set records in terms of wind chill and low temperatures. Uh, it's not going to be great. The temperature is expected to be in the 20s and the National Weather Service has issued a winter storm watch for the area over the weekend. A foot of snow is expected to fall in the area on Saturday evening. And it's not looking good so far for this matchup. And if you show up to that game, if you're a Bills fan, you might just be insane. Well, I wonder how you feel about the folks who might show up for this as the Bills are asking for fans to help shovel the field. Right there. Clearly, you need to get this done. And there's a lot of snow. You need a lot of people. Yeah. What they are offering. Twenty dollars an hour. Wow. Complimentary food. They will provide the snow shovel and you must be 18 years or older. Is that something that you would entertain? Um, for a very specific reason, I'm going to avoid talking about. Yeah, I, I think I would. What does that mean? I think I would. Bridge. I think I would. Okay. I'm I'm very confused as to like the secrecy behind this. That's more than I make, you know. So Oh, I, I, oh got I think, you, got yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah I think that yeah. that would be great. You but know? Do, do you have to do this job in freezing temperatures outside? No, but you know, I'll I'll take the extra money. I think uh, you know, I've got these loans coming up. That yeah, be, yeah, yeah, that's that fair. Would be nice. That would be pretty, pretty nice. Um, speaking of tough weather. They've they've already uh, started alerting various Kansas City uh, folks out there that the weather out there will be extremely dangerous for that Saturday night game. Um, so they say, quote, cover all extremities, including your head and face out there because the forecast at kickoff is negative one degree with a 23 negative 23 degree wind chill. So you talk about being out there. I'm, I've never been someone who would be interested in being out in one of those cold weather games bundled or not yeah the experience on tv is just so good at this point exactly it really is like especially with these like amazon games you're starting to get that prime vision and whatnot like i i'm loving these broadcast qualities so i i'm I'm fine with sticking at home i think i'll be okay you know but hey if you're gonna pay me 20 bucks an hour to be there why not that's your trip around the NFL here on 105.3 The Fan with the Get Right Alec Medford and Reginald Atatula. I just want to put this out there that I cannot stand Bobby Belt. Um, <laughs> and that's that's all I'm going to say about it. Twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam if you want to find out why. Coming up next on the Get Right, we've got Wild Card Weekend Bold Predictions. We'll do that next on your home of the Cowboys, 105.3 The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 